0: to connect to the community of the Endless Honeymoon Podcast, and also to connect to your lovely hosts. Welcome to the Endless Honeymoon Podcast.
1: I'm your host, Natasha Leggero.
0: And I'm doing the weather. I'm Moshe Kasher.
1: Uh, And uh, it's really great to be here. This is... uh...
0: It's great to be here.
1: It's an exciting time. <laughs>
0: it's the only place we've been.
1: Well, you know, it's morning, so we usually record in the evening. But oh. we have some special guests today that were only available in the morning.
0: Right, right. Well, one special guest in particular.
1: We have one special guest, yes.
0: Um, Natasha wanted to have this person on because, uh, well, I think...
1: Well, I'm very influenced by Ram Dass.
0: Right. You're like a spirit person.
1: Uh, I do not believe that the only things that are real are the things we can literally see and feel like you do what but, are yes. some
0: of the things that we can't see that you think are real energy like what
1: if you can feel energy you can feel vibes oh
0: interesting oh like how I feel like toxic energy coming off of you sometimes when we talk do you no no I don't I don't um t- why don't you take me through your spiritual regimen what are some of the things that you do? to in your day-to-day life to
1: well i think the hard thing about saying stuff like that is that when you answer it's your answer for an ideal day
0: yeah well tell us about you your know what ideal- i mean because
1: then you listen to people and they're like oh really you get up at 5 30 every morning
0: tell t- take us through your ideal spirit day spirit i'll take day? It, you want me to take you to mine yeah i wake up i
1: already know you sleep in
0: I wake up at 4.45, <laughs> no, I, go outs- I go outside, I toss the chickens a bit of feed. And as I'm doing that, I'm reminded that the chickens and I are both in the same strain of what life is. They eat as I eat. They walk as I walk. Am I more than a chicken or am I just a, am I, am I a developed chicken myself? Then I walk. I walk the stone path. Um, and, and remind myself that just as each stone lieth in the path, so too do I lie in the path of, of life. I go upstairs. I, I do my ablutions. My ablutions is what I mean, I think is the word. Um, is
1: that where you like um, whip your back?
0: No, I, I wash my palms, my temples. Oh, ablutions this has to do with water? I think so. Okay. I wash my palms, my temples, and the bridge of my nose. <laughs> and then I take off the, the outfit that I'm in. I put on linens. Uh, I'll, light, uh, I'll light a light of frankincense. Sometimes I'll light um, a bit of palo santo. Um, I drink a light tincture of Iowa, ayahuasca um, and mate out of a gourd. Mate. I'm <laughs> Sorry, I pronounce it mate. Uh, I drink a gourd of ayahuasca. And, and at this uh, time, mate. it's like
1: still only 545, right?
0: This At this point, it's about 5, 5 a.m., yeah. Um, and then I put on, uh, I do a sound bath. And then don't you
1: start doing your ujjaya breaths?
0: I do. Yes, I do. I do monkey breath. And I put on some, um, I do a sound, a very light scintillating sound bath. Uh, I do, then I'll take the linens off. I do another round of ablutions. I'll jerk off just really quick to get a bust fatty little nut. Moshe. And then I put on some Pantera and I'm ready to rock.
1: (laughs) Well, it's funny that in all of that, you don't have any time for your child or the family to help us get ready. There's, for what do you the think? Day. That's
0: my spiritual path: is that I put I put knickers on my daughter.
1: Well, I mean, I think that oh, having daughter. a spiritual uh, routine in the morning is something of a uh, luxury when you have a toddler, and you know you've got to like get her out the door, drive her to school pack a lunch, put sunscreen on her, make sure she has extra clothes, make sure she's got her mask, make sure she has the right shoes on, make well, sure she has water. It's just like a lot of, a lot to do.
0: Yeah, that, that sounds hard. I've done those things because I am one of the parents of that child that you're referencing. Uh, our,
1: everything I just said, though, I usually
0: do. Our daughter, Tabitha.
1: <laughs> I usually do everything.
0: Our daughter. Uh,
1: I like Tabitha.
0: Let's name her Tabitha. Tash, take Tesh. John Tesh take us through your real ideal spiritual day.
1: um well, I like it my day is always better if I can get up at like 6 30.
0: Yike. No I did thanks. that today yeah
1: but yeah. that means I have to go to bed at 10 30
0: mm-hmm.
1: and then you kind of roast me the whole time.
0: No here's why I roast Natasha. It's not that she goes to bed early. It's that she's self-conscious about going to bed early. She thinks it makes her a square. So rather than just say to me, "Hey, I'm getting
1: 10:30 isn't even that early."
0: It is. But rather than just say to me, "Hey, I'm getting tired, let's turn the movie off or whatever we're watching off," she will pretend that she's awake, but I'm hearing I'm audibly hearing her sleeping. You know that thing that like Droopy did in the cartoons where the the cartoon characters are sleeping and their lips are like
1: Okay, Mosh. There's
0: a feather coming off of your mouth and then... and then. Uh,
1: Sometimes I open my eyes and your face is exactly in front of me. And, and you're like,
0: are you sleeping? You know who you have to blame for that? Who? You. And you know why? You're gaslighting me. I feel gaslit because you're saying I'm not asleep, but I know you're asleep and you're gaslighting me. And it's actually honestly sexist.
1: Okay. Well, anyway, um, I don't have much of a great spiritual practice. You do, though. I like to get up at 6.30 um, If I do that, then I make coffee, and then I'll go upstairs into my own little office space, and I have a little altar there, and I will do some different meditations. I really like uh, chanting.
0: What's your chant? Is it secret?
1: No. Well, the m- transcendental mantra I was given you can't say that. is supposed to be a secret. Right. Um,
0: I I don't mind I don't don't but I don't know why I know that was always the weirdest thing about Transcendental Meditation to me is that they're like this is a secret and it costs $350 Uh, but I when I took it I I don't respect those rules I'm an iconoclast and I will tell you what mine is what's yours rock on (laughs) that's what the guru told me he said rock on So that's what I said rock on.
1: And then there's also uh, when I went to the Ram Dass retreat, he said that he he likes just like with the little beads, just chanting Ram, which means love. But it's also his name. name. (laughs) But his name is Ram because that means love. That's some
0: Kanye West shit right there.
1: Let's ask Raghu Marcus about it today. So the way I know that the way I know Raghu is that he is
0: makes pasta sauce, right? Yeah, he's some of the best.
1: He, uh, I was going to
0: have Prego Marcus on myself.
1: He basically runs Ramdas's network, well, you know, before he died, and he still is running it. And uh, I met him a long time ago.
0: Well, let me tell you something, uh, our listeners, something about Ram Dass. Okay, th- th- there's a back and forth that Natasha have uh, on this podcast. You may have noticed where she, I roast her. From, that we have? Yeah. That I roast you for believing in things that I deem to be like, you know, woo-woo. And you roast me for being too much of a pragmatist and too much of a concrete literalist, right? And people...
1: I just... am. Uh, I would just like to say that I just believe that I don't know everything and you believe you do know everything.
0: Is that something that Ramdas taught you? Is it how to analyze your partner?
1: Well, no, but I just think that kind of like says it all.
0: Okay, well, it definitely says something. <laughs> I don't know if it's at all, but it definitely says a particular thing. Now, anyway, I don't think that I know it all, but that's an ongoing dynamic that the two of us have, right? And it is true that I am skeptical about... I'm not an atheist, but I'm skeptical about things like in the realm of the spirit, right? Um,
1: so you feel like you don't have a soul?
0: No, I didn't say... I don't know. What does that even mean? That's a, a, What does that question mean? A soul. Do you think you have a soul? Uh, Yeah. Really? Like you have a spirit-like wisp inside of you that is beyond your body kind of a thing?
1: I feel like they, I, I have part of an eternal energy or something.
0: Um, I think, uh, like, oh, close your eyes, mm-hmm. okay? Um, l- hear my heart beating. Do you hear my heart beating? Do you feel the same? Now, are you only Diffuse dreaming? Diffuse it with comedy. I Oh, that's my whole life. Or is this burning an eternal flame? Is that Tiffany? Anyway, the point is, I was, I'm was i getting to something here. It's not going to be cynical. So my point is, I've read all these spiritual books in my life. Uh, having spent all the time in 12-step groups, I was like, you know, I read, you know, uh, the Celestine Prophecy and the freaking f- Agreements and, I don't know, Tuesdays with Maury or I don't know what books I actually Wow, read.
1: pretty deep spiritual uh, journey motion. <laughs> did, you, did you read Chicken Soup for the Soul?
0: <laughs> I read... I read "Help My Wife's a Biatch." Okay, have you ever read that one? No. Oh, it's really good. Um, it's written by Snoop Dogg. No, what I'm saying is I've done all this different stuff, right? I, I just like you, I've gone on on journeys through, of the spirit, Jewish stuff, and you know, uh, meditation, Hawaiian meditation, breathing. What's meditation. Hawaiian
1: meditation? I don't Where know. you There's... go to Hawaii and surf?
0: <laughs> I know some guy. <laughs> I never told you the story. Some guy approached me in an AM PM in Monterey and said he was a Hawaiian kahuna.
1: It has to do with, uh, n- have you ever done anything in the realm of spirit that wasn't attached to Burning Man?
0: Yes, honey. I don't know why you're roasting me. I'm trying to make a point that is going to, is going to reinforce your decision to bring a cleric on our podcast. Um, a
1: cleric? What's a cleric?
0: <laughs> I not like a clergyman.
1: Oh, he's not a clergyman. He's oh. a layperson. Let
0: me just say this thing. The point is I've read all these books and often they find them a little often I find them a little cringe. But there when people ask me like who's the the what the person who you think has the most to offer in terms of that that genre of uh, of of book or thinker it's Ramdas for sure.
1: But let me ask you this you've read very few how That's are you true. in a position to even tell people?
0: I mean I have friends and they ask me my opinion do you not have any friends
1: uh, I do have friends.
0: Nobody comes to me and says, Moshe, you're a great spiritual authority. Tell me what <laughs> books I should read. I'm saying when I have a chat with my friends or are like, have you ever read a book that touched you? Is there ever been a, a spiritual thinker that...
1: I'm glad that you, you liked Ram Dass's books.
0: I, that's what I was trying to say. I was trying to say something positive over here, but I keep getting a little bit...
1: You like Alan Watts' talks if we yeah, look Alan those up Watts on YouTube? Alan Watts is
0: fine. I didn't... Th- re- nothing particularly resonated with all right. I've read more books than you think I have on on stuff like this. Honey,
1: you're very smart.
0: No, I'm just saying. Name some books, uh, some famous spiritual books. I'll tell you if I've read them.
1: Um, Florence Scovel Shin. Hmm. Or are you? I, oh, authors. I was going to name some authors I like. No, like Wayne some Dyer. Dyer. Have you ever read any of his stuff? I got the one really. With the big in hat
0: him. and the beard. No, that's he's on the bald.
1: No, he's bald. No, he really helped me for a while. I like Norman Ar- Vincent Peale. Even the power of positive thinking Ar- can be good. Ar- positive but- thinking, that's a good example. R. Ar- of- Ar-
0: Bud Dwyer. He's a great spiritual leader Who? of mine. R. Ar- Bud Dwyer. He was, uh, I think, uh, uh, a city councilman of a, of a small town in the Midwest. And he shot himself uh, on the nightly news. He called a press conference and then shot himself in the head. To me, that guy's a great spiritual teacher. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> R. Ar- Bud Dwyer. Look it up. The footage is actually online. R.
1: Ar- Bud Dwyer. Dwyer.
0: Ar- period bud dwyer bullet. anyway uh i've read i've read spiritual books i was in aa for 20 years and that's part of the thing is you're supposed to go on some like spirit journey you know and so i tried i tried i'm not naturally gifted when it comes to spirituality but i you know i also studied religion in college i have a degree in the shit what do you think i did in college not read any of the books i read the books read read that gita Read the you Torah? read the
1: Bhagavad Gita?
0: I mean, I didn't read it cover to cover. That shit is a You know thickie. what's a
1: good book is the Bible.
0: Bible's interesting. What do you like about it?
1: Well, I like. I had a therapist once who gave me the New Testament with all... You're not going to like this. With, I already don't. With all of Jesus's um, lines oh, like, his dialogue? in red.
0: Dialogue in red, yeah.
1: And she said it was a living text, uh-huh. meaning that you can still go back and read it. Even if you don't believe in Jesus... Whatever he was saying can still offer you some solace. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sorry, honey. Mm -hmm. I mean, this was a long time ago. But, you know, I think that you can. No, no,
0: no, no. Jesus is a spiritual teacher. Sure.
1: I I think that you can grab from so many different places. And I feel like right now, more than ever, like, I I feel like this is our only hope to have something bigger than us. Because look what we've done. We've just perfected the phones.
0: I read the Quran. I read the Gita. I read the Torah, I read the New Testament. I've read some of the Doubt the Daoda Ching. Daoda Ching's cool. I read some of the uh, some Buddhist stuff, some Zen stuff. I read I read uh some of the new age Deepak stuff. Deepak Chopra was really I've read Deepak. What's her name? Starhawk. I read that. I read um you Star- what did Starhawk Starhawk was like a famous is a famous new age person. I I read uh Celestine Prophecy. I okay, read mush. uh Power of Now. I re- I'm not, you know, these aren't I'm not just you know, I'm not a spiritual guy, but I've looked uh, into this stuff. My point is, my bullshit, my bullshit arometer starts going off really quickly when people start talking about how they know the truth. And with when Ram Das, his um, what uh, what what are the the name of his talks? Exercises in truth, or something like that.
1: Oh, experiments in truth.
0: Yeah he gives this great that,
1: that's 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 a that's a CDK like a cd uh series of like six cds that we had
0: it, unfortunately it's only available on cd it's because well, it's talks it's impossible to find it in any other form of media no
1: i'm just trying to di- dif- differentiate it's not a book
0: it's not a book it's right.
1: it's it's live talks. the truth is B- yeah maybe you can get an mp3 moshe
0: yeah there you go you you, 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 you um you're recommending that our listeners get things on CDs?
1: I don't know. I mean, that's just how I got it. It's old. I don't know how else it comes. But any- Audiobook?
0: But anyway, be, yeah. The, the my point of all this is that when Ram Dass talks, talked, m- my bullshit arometer never went off. Because there's nothing in it in particular that could make you go, this is bullshit. Because it's kind of like where spirituality meets psychology. And it's kind of uh, accessible uh, and, and profound.
1: Well, that's nice of you to say, but then you must not have heard. A lo- he has a lot of magical
0: stories where, like, yeah, but they're polem- he
1: meets his guru, and the guru knows how his mom just died. Yes, yes, yes. And so he has a lot of experiences like that that really can't be explained. He- here's from logic.
0: Here's the difference. A, here's the point: when somebody tells a story like that, if if it connects to a broader idea then I don't need to believe in the truth of the story to understand the message behind it, which is similar to the Bible. Do I think Jesus actually moonwalked on the Sea of Galilee and made a bunch of perch burst forth from a basket because he was like, hamana, hamana, and mecca, leka hi, mecha ho, and then everybody had fish? No, but there's a spiritual you know, the lesson beneath it. It's all allegory, right? Right?
1: I mean when Ramdas talks about his magical experiences I don't think they're allegory.
0: To I, him I know but what I'm saying is you're right those kinds of things I don't believe but I don't need to believe them because there's messages behind it. Anyway my point of it all is that the Ramdas school of spirituality is the school of spirituality that makes my skin crawl the least. And that's why we have <laughs> our next guest uh, who is the who is carrying on the legacy of Ramdas, right?
1: Yes, he actually sent me Ramdas's latest book, um, and I'm really enjoying it. It's it's basically, Ramdas wrote it, mm-hmm. and it was pretty much the last thing he wrote before he died. And it's full of stories, and I'm really loving it and really like wishing that I was alive in the 70s. I mean, I don't just the 60s and 70s with LSD.
0: You know you can bring that LSD to today.
1: At Harvard? I want the Harvard LSD. <laughs>
0: you want the H-LSD. Whatever LSD they H. had.
1: Whatever like made everyone terrified that the government banned it forever. That's the stuff I want.
0: Let me say this. I don't just not cringe when I hear Ram Dass. I would actually recommend that everyone listen to his talks because there's i really fi- I get a lot out of them and i really think that they're profound and he's they,
1: funny they're very accessible they're very on youtube uh yeah. what
0: they're on youtube
1: I, well i think they're must- they are
0: they are on youtube yeah
1: yeah but i'm just saying if you wanted to just hear like them in a specific order you can get experiments
0: in truth experiments in truth i i, I recommend all of our listeners here because it's it's stuff that really helps anyway
1: well moshe i just think that you know In terms of the magical stuff that you don't believe in, maybe you could make the leap that some people are more open to it so they are able to access spirit in a way that maybe someone who's more closed off like you isn't (laughs) able to access it.
0: It's a good thing you're not a spiritual teacher because that's not the way to bring me into the fold. (laughs) No, I just think to keep an open mind, there are certain people that are able to access those kinds of magical, mystical experiences. And then there are people like you who are kind of like close-minded fools that are unable to see the essential (laughs) truth beneath everything.
1: All right. Well, let's call our guest, Raghu Marcus, and see what he has to say.
0: Sounds good to me.
1: Do you feel my heart beating? He's here. Oh. Hi, Raghu. How are you?
0: I'm good. How are you?
1: <laughs> this is my husband Moshe.
0: Hi there. How are you? Hi. Thanks I for know joining. Everything us. about you. Oh, what do you know? Uh-oh. Has Natasha done some confessionals with you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> else.
1: Do you really know stuff about him?
2: Oh, just whatever you've told me and it's all delightful, <laughs> so don't.
1: <laughs> well, Ragu, I was thinking about you recently cuz I was listening to you on Duncan's podcast and oh, I, yeah. I was hearing you kind of talk about things and I was like, "Oh, you sound like me." In the sense of like Moshe, my husband here, he's, you know, he just thinks like we got the vaccine, now let's get back to work. Everything's going to be right back to normal. Whereas like I heard you saying like things are different now forever, and I really feel that. And I was wondering if you could talk about that a little bit or also talk about I I just wanted some advice on like, what do we do when everything feels so divided? Like, I feel like we're coming out of this coma and everyone's like hot, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like there's a lot of altercations too. like even at like stand up shows and like interactions and the neighbors everyone just kind of feels like hot you know what I mean? How about
2: the stewardess that got clocked by this lady on the Southwest <laughs> flight? I uh, I mean. Yeah
1: exactly like like the airlines you know because we travel for work and I know you do too and it's like all of a sudden they're like they've already had 1200 write ups this year and usually that's what they get in like two years like for bad yeah, behavior yeah. the so- funny,
0: funny part about that lady was that her punishment was she was banned from Southwest for life <laughs> I'm like, yeah. that's, can't they ban her from all of the airlines? That's not <laughs> yeah, much right. of a punishment. Yeah, really.
2: Oh, that's funny. Oh, my. Uh, I mean, look, What's it, it will never be the way it was before. First of all, the main rule is there's nothing permanent. It's all impermanent. And as we go through this kind of really uh, immense, immense uh, year of... Uh, I mean, everything from racial justice stuff to the COVID thing to the Trump thing and uh, the polarization, as you suggested. So, um, I mean, looking positively, I would say that the fact that we were really uh, in hibernation there for for a year about, excuse me. So I think it forced a lot of us to start looking instead of outward, inward, and to see, okay, what, what, is, what am I about here? What is this about? And, uh, you know, usually we don't have time to look inward. You know, we are so caught up in our day to day. So I think that inward looking, I'd like to say that's hopeful <clears throat> people to do more of that. And so they can look inside a little bit at, um, you know, for instance, the polarization, I mean, we are so tribal, and mm-hmm. and, the, and the, I'm including the liberals amongst us mm-hmm. that immediately uh, identify the other side as the them. They stay the them no matter what. And there's no possibility of any kind of dialogue. Now, you know, I may be a little, you know, this is sort of a little bit naive because we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of years for us to get here. Right. This isn't just something that instantaneously happened it's like you know about this book breath by the way i'm just thinking of that no oh you've got to get this book i did a podcast with a guy named james nestor and it's he went and researched we are completely not breathing correctly and it is enormously affecting us all and he even went into the, the the way the industrial revolution and the um the evolution of the industrial revolution was people's jaws and everything came completely changed as a result of the forces of the different kinds of way we were eating and how all of that changed and all the pollution and so on and so forth. It's a fabulous book, you guys. Uh, it's, it's really something. So in the same way, we have gone through this enormous uh, uh, catalytic change and uh, there's no way we're going back to the way things were before. And the other thing, of course, is the reality of the of the virus and its mutations is just a good uh, example of, of what we have been doing regarding the environment and nature, and nature is pushing back. That pushing back is not just going to stop at this point. I don't think you mean, with, and, you with, know, people, with
1: environmental change. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And so that's uh, that's there's no going back on that. That's probably the biggest no going back to. Right. I we mean, just read
1: that ninety nine percent, the monarch butterfly population has decreased by ninety nine percent.
2: Really? Jesus. God. I mean, yeah, we can set out so many different examples of that. And it's kind of horrifying. Um, What's going on in India is really horrifying. You know, as you know, I have quite a connection there and been going there forever. And I I can't tell you, you know, people dying, family, friends and sick, the whole family in the hot, you know, I mean, just really tough, tough stuff. So there's no going back.
1: So so when you talk about going inward, are you talking about having a meditation practice, having, is there any... Any tips, any suggestions for people who, you know, this isn't quite a spiritual podcast? Uh,
0: it's not. Why? <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? I, 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 well, you know, I, I try
1: to convince Moshe to like.
0: Listen. <laughs> Ragu, all podcasts in a way are spiritual when you think about yeah. it. You know? Everything is spiritual. Exactly. The truth is everything is because, Well, I have know, a question. It's just a of, matter of perspective. Yeah. I have a question about that. Well, uh for people for whom, and I would assume many of our listeners, not all of them, but people for whom spirit, spirituality, meditation practice is is not even something they've ever approached. But as you say, we've all spent this last year in this kind of enforced, uh externally enforced period of introspection. What mm-hmm. are like the basic, what are some like kindergarten building blocks of something that you can apply to your life as a person that isn't naturally oriented towards spirit and spirituality, but can start to like implement it into your life that can raise your quality of life or raise your connection?
2: Well, I mean, I just look back and I've said this on on the Mind Rolling Podcast many, many times. I look back at myself at what pushed me to even consider another reality obviously for many of us and today psychedelics is a big thing because it shows you instantly there is another reality, and
0: you just cannot. Bam, Moshe. Okay, I'll take acid. Okay, <laughs> Natasha, you win. Twist my arm. <laughs> well,
1: Moshe and I have like an ongoing thing where he kind of is like a, you know, he if he can see it, he believes it, you know. And yeah, but I don't. Yeah, but right. I don't
0: have that belief in rejection of a spiritual path. I I have that. I have that belief in uh, in harmony with it. That's what I think. I don't think that they are in uh, that they're incompatible beliefs that, Well, uh, the
2: Buddhist. You're a Buddhist. That's the Buddhist. I mean, His Holiness the Dalai Lama says, "Don't you know, teachers and so on. You have to experience it yourself. Do not be trusting just anybody out there. And uh, and and you really have to to log in the time so that you can investigate yourself. And mm-hmm. and that's the first thing. But going back to why I got involved with all this, it was because I was so effing unhappy and depressed. And I couldn't take my life. And I I just, uh, it naturally happened. And that's the way it does happen, by the way. You just have a thought, wow, this is bullshit. What else is out there? I can't believe that I'm I'm not going to conform to what my family and society uh, dictates. Forget that. And so I started looking outwards to what what could help transform and you know what uh, and this is my uh, famous story but it's true what happened before I even got to psychedelics was I went to a John Coltrane concert Uh, a concert not it was in a club they got me in somebody got me in. I was 16 17 or something and he played my favorite I don't know if you guys know I mean Coltrane icon of uh we're sophisticated people yes okay uh (laughs) So, I just, he played my favorite things on a soprano sax, and literally, I went out of my consciousness of being my body, you know, how we are, okay, we are this thing, and that was my first little dip into it, and from there- And you weren't on drugs. No, I was not on drugs. I wasn't, not even pot. Nothing. What happened? And you,
1: you started to like see something else or did you, you no, couldn't I feel your body? No, I just felt
2: my whole, I just felt myself, uh, that thing behind the ego self just rise in and just become completely free mm. of the entanglement of my mind and all of it. And up to then, that wasn't happening. Okay, I was completely caught in the depression and all of that stuff.
1: You became raindrops and, so, and roses.
2: Yeah, I mean not quite, but it was. Uh, but it was. It was a feeling similar to when you do take a psychedelic and you start to break out, and you leave behind all of the uh, detrius of your mind. So, uh, so that led me into a. Uh, oh wait, there is something else now, and then of course. Later came psychedelics, and after that, I was fortunate enough to meet Ram Dass.
1: Cool. Yeah. What do you I, think of that story? See, Moshe probably doesn't believe your story.
0: Of course, I believe your story. Why? <laughs> <laughs> well, you—I was in that club, and I did have that experience. Okay. You do seem like a shifty character. I don't know if I buy it. <laughs> no, I—I I totally believe that story. I—I—and I think when I hear stories like that, I think my my reaction is how lucky you were to have had a transcendental experience dropped in yeah. your lap and and i have always wanted to have i've have had i've had shades of experiences like that in my life but i've always you have an
1: amazing daughter that's well, kind of magical
0: yeah but i've had i've had i've had profound moments in my life where i think oh i can i can almost see the shadow of of the realm behind the realm or or whatever mm-hmm. but yeah. I, i'm more like my difficulty with, with meditation, spirituality in general, <clears throat> is not intellectual as much as it is discipline. It's difficult for me to, uh, I get distracted, bored, D- difficult for me to have discipline uh, in a way that would, would I can synthesize that kind of stuff into my daily life and, mm. and really reap the benefits of it and that you're
2: the only one that gets bored (laughs) uh, uh, why should i do this this is bullshit yeah you're the only
0: one i'm the guy it just
2: yeah it just gets to the point where like uh i mean with some people it's very acute you get ill or you lose somebody uh, you know that kind of a thing drives you to take a you know go inside and then so you will use meditation and it's not just meditation it's um you know, you do some yoga. I mean, people go do yoga, have done yoga and just as a physical thing or to meet people and not, I mean, hopefully it'll come back, but, uh, and they hear my friend Krishnadas chanting and suddenly, whoops, something wakes up that, oh, wait a minute, that was a something that I felt that I hadn't felt before, what's that about? Or you read a book or, you know, you're traveling. I mean, it's it's not just meditation. Ultimately though, you're right. It, it needs practice so that you're not caught in that mind vortex. That is absolutely true. You know, cause once you're in that mind vortex and you believe your thoughts and the story you tell yourself about who you think you are, once that happens, you're really caught in a, you know, in a vice grip, basically. So there are methods to get out of that vice grip. And you have to realize you're in the vice grip. You know, and then you're in jail, basically, as a Ram Dass used to put it. Once you realize you're in jail, you're going to get out, you know, you do the things to get out.
1: And, and I guess, like you said, what the Dalai Lama said is that, you know, just really experiencing it for yourself, trying different things, what works. Yeah. Um, yeah,
2: absolutely. And yeah. I guess
1: giving yourself that time, right? Whether it is to like finish a book or listen to a lecture while you, you know, make your coffee. Mm-hmm. Or whatever. It is
0: funny that I've spent the last 20, 30 years. Or 20 years telling myself I don't have time to meditate five minutes a day. <laughs>
2: <laughs>
0: yeah, get in a long line there. You yeah, know. Right? Uh, yeah,
1: Well, <laughs> we take calls, and I feel like people are pretty lost right now, and I'm kind of out of advice, so I thought I could bring someone on like you (laughs) who could maybe, you know, shed a little wisdom. So maybe,
0: okay. Oh yes. Did you have another question? One last question before we do a call. Sorry. It was such a good transition. I feel guilty even cutting you off, but it's okay. But you're the man. You can decide which way we go. That's that's what you guys believe over there. Right. (laughs) Raghu, the the man can at any point step in and (laughs) reframe the conversation. Guys. No, don't even come near me with that thought. I'll be roasted. (laughs) Okay. no, if I okay so okay we've identified me as the um spiritually underdeveloped member of this family. If I came to you and I said, okay, so I'm in the mind vortex. I have been for a long time. What are your what are your suggestions on how like what are the beginning level? What do I do now to to start a journey?
2: I'll give you a list of books, Moshe, yeah. and
0: you'll start reading. <laughs> I'm in. I can do that
2: yeah um, you know what? Again, the very first thing has to be that you're sick of yourself, mm. okay? and and you're sick of being absolutely driven by you know these thoughts, these desires, these you know, all of the emotions, jealousy, all of it you're or it could just be one
1: thing, right? like like I, I'm sick of like a fear that I that keeps coming up. Mm-hmm. yep, you know exactly. it's, it's not yeah. like I'm sick of my whole life. but well
0: Natasha's sick of me and I think of us as one person. <laughs> so that's, that's very I'm close <laughs> Right, so you're tired you're tired of the cycle basically. yeah, you're tired of the
2: cycle that you're in. you're tired of being at the mercy of believing your thought. I mean that's a big thing by the way, mm-hmm. believing your thoughts. I mean, thoughts are zero. You know, that's the it's it's absolutely uh, once you start to see how you're just following these thoughts and going down these rabbit holes, then you start to look, Okay, wait, is this it? Is this all I'm going to be dealing with for the rest of my life is being, you know, subject to to all of this bullshit? So that's the first thing. That you get an idea that there is something you're not happy about, and you don't want to be at the mercy of fear, and uh, loathing, and judgment, and you know you can go on. I and mean, the Buddhists have you know like like 150 different uh, um, ways in which we uh, you know use use this stuff as a pile driver uh, to be unhappy, basically. So okay, so you get there. So then you go, okay, what am I going to do about this? Well, you got to, uh, you have to do nothing because if you start to say you have to, it becomes really a tough thing. But you are driven to to be open and curious about what's possible, other than just being, uh, like I said, subject to these enormous. Uh, push and pull of thoughts and desires.
1: Rumination too. Like when yeah, you, just keep you know, and ruminating. you're just
2: lost all the time. Mm. So yes, mindfulness then is an extremely important and beneficial thing. It really is. And mindfulness, so then I would say, Moshe, uh I have a friend who is the mindfulness expert in this country, as far as I'm concerned uh he's uh his name is joseph goldstein he's on the be here now podcast network
0: a fellow jew most i like the last name i'll be honest yeah (laughs) Yeah, i want to listen to what he has to say already
2: (laughs) more jews i'm about to do a podcast today with norman fisher who's also a fabulous mindfulness guy a zen guy you know how do all these jews get involved we don't know um but uh my joseph has a book and this i would tell the whole the entire audience it's called mindfulness it's a very fat book and it is so fantastic in that it just gives you a roadmap to be able to change your perspective from the one that you know we're used to which is you know from our heads and judging ourselves you know the whole bs that we all do and uh i actually and i don't know if you guys i don't even know where this podcast goes but it uh i'm sure there's some show notes you know what i can give you i did one thing with joseph one day uh he was at a retreat with us in maui and it was he was going to do a uh, a talk and he said what should i talk about to me i said well talk about mindfulness that's your whole thing you got that book you got he said, that book is like 600 pages long. I said, well, you can do something in 75 minutes. I'm sure it'll be good. And he did. And it, he gave a talk that was so clear and down to earth, which is what I love about him, uh, that I called it 75 Minutes to Enlightenment. Because I said, if you just followed this thing, you'd get out of this bullshit.
1: Wait, we can listen to that instead of reading a huge book? <laughs> That's
2: great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, let's start with that. You okay. know what? I will... I will send that to you. That'd be amazing. We'll file post it. And you can offer it out to uh, anybody who wants it. Well, we listening. have our, our podcast
1: on YouTube, so we'll put a link up. That
0: sounds great. Okay, awesome. I feel I feel like I've got a roadmap to begin.
2: Yeah, so that's, that's definitely the... Uh, mindfulness is definitely the first thing that, that somebody can do to help themselves. And uh, uh, beyond... I mean, just start there. And of course, yes, yeah, sitting somewhere for even five minutes... And focusing on one on you know for me uh, Joseph brought back along with the co- Jack Cornfield who Natasha knows he's awesome um, and uh, they brought back and Sharon Salisbury they brought back this practice called Insight Meditation from the East and so it's just using the natural breath to focus going in and out of the nostrils or the rising and falling of the abdomen. And as soon as you realize you're lost, which will be in like a millisecond, you just go come back and you keep pulling it back. You keep pulling it back. And eventually it starts to, you, you, you start to get to the place where you're not lost for like 12 minutes. Like where was I, you know, into some fantasy. So uh, to me, breath is the most efficacious.
1: You're just focusing for five minutes. You set a timer and then you're just like focusing inside my nose, outside my nose, inside my nose, out like the, that. The
2: breath hitting the uh, as, as the comes out of the nostril and hitting the upper lip. The feeling is what you focus on. I find actually the you because you can really feel your abdomen as you breathe in your abdomen, you know, and you breathe out goes up and down. So you just go fu- rising falling, rising, falling. And then as you just pull it back, when you realize that you're completely lost.
1: And do you close your eyes?
2: You know, it's best, especially the Buddhists say, to just keep your eyes open just a little bit. Because when you completely close your eyes, you're subject to fantasies uh-huh. taking over. When you have your eyes open just a little bit, not focused anywhere, uh, it's it's a little bit uh, more better in terms of getting lost.
1: Let's try it, Mosh, together. I'm, I'm Mosh and with, I need to do that together. I'll be honest
0: with you, Natasha. Yeah. Just this small conversation and ragu. This small conversation. I am inspired to apply some of this stuff more into my life. That's all it took. A small, <laughs> a just small bit articulate of articulate Jew. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a small bit of evangelism. <laughs> okay, let's do uh, a call.
1: Okay, so we. You you mind taking a call, helping out some of these people? Yeah,
2: of course, of
0: course.
1: Okay. Of course.
0: Okay, we're going to call Joy in Ontario, Canada.
2: Oh, that's where I'm from.
0: Well, there you go. Maybe oh, wow. you guys can connect on that level. From
2: Toronto, or born in Toronto.
0: Hamilton is where this person's from. Hamilton, yeah, named not far after, from Toronto. Named after the famous Broadway musical. <laughs> no. Hello, Hi. Joy. Hi. Hi Joy.
1: Hello. It's Natasha, Moshe, and our friend Raghu Marcus. Uh, Hello. We, we want to help you out. I would love that, <laughs> it would be wonderful. What's going on?
3: So the preamble to my question is that over the year, I've gone through a deconstructing of my faith and a faith that was sort of something I inherited from my parents and so on and so forth. And it's caused me to examine the you know, patterns and structures, that have to do with the religion I, I was born and raised in. Um and as a result, I've come to evolve out of Christianity, that faith. Hell um, yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> hell. Oops, no, okay. Um and so
0: Hell yeah, is where you're headed.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
0: After this journey.
1: Come on, she's nervous. Okay, so so you've you've journeyed out of Christianity.
3: I have. Now, because it's happened during the pandemic, it's happened in isolation. So I have had this huge journey and the people in my life who still are in that environment haven't been a part of it and I haven't shared that part with them. So my question, twofold, if I may, the first is what responsibility do I bear to them and to myself to communicate this sort of spiritual awakening? And then lastly, how can I make sure that the angst maybe and the hurt that I've felt in this deconstruction um, isn't transferred onto the people that I love so much who are still in and identify as Christians? Mm
0: -hmm. Powerful, Powerful idea. You're worried about lashing out at them because they gave you this legacy of belief that now feels objectionable to you and you want to mitigate that.
3: Well that's true and like there's no one I'm able to direct this 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 negativity that I have this pain I have about everything that I've sort of unraveled there's no one I can scream at and punch at but the people in my life who represent it still I don't want mm. them to be my punching bags. Mm-hmm.
1: Well one yeah. thing I will say about that last part and then I'm going to take it give it to ragu is that i just maybe you have to understand the religion might help them so if it helps them why you love them they should have what as long as it's not hurting other people i mean it's like everyone's entitled to their own i mean people look at my decorating style and they're like are you insane i would i would hate to live in that room i could i would go crazy and it's like well it works for me you know, so I mean, that's maybe not the best analogy, no, I think but I,
0: there's something there. And but
1: Raghu, why don't you help her out a little bit?
2: <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> well, I can only give you my own uh, example. And I was in the same place as you, you know, a long time ago. And I was prompted to go to India uh, by meeting this this teacher. And uh, prior to that, my family was Jewish and uh, and i mean um we were con- what's called conservative jews in other words we weren't orthodox but we were really uh, the family just laid down all of those rules about which you know uh events that we needed to go to in the high holidays and all that stuff and i was so pissed all the time i can't tell you and i uh, you know, So I threw it in the garbage, kind of, and that really, of course, upset uh, my father in particular. And so that was a really rotten time, part of what I was talking about before, being sort of very depressed at that time. And then, anyhow, so I end up getting to India and meeting uh, my guru, who is Ram Dass's guru, guru, uh, the man in the blankets. his name is Neem Karoli Baba. So the first thing that he said to us as we sat down he pointed his finger and he went in hindi it's sub ek it's all one there is only one thing happening jesus christ and krishna and buddha and mohammed you know all of it one and he kept absolutely getting after us that uh the the reality that we had been living in of of this uh defined separation of this is the only way or this is uh this is our tradition and therefore you 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 know you cannot escape it whatsoever we started to understand that is not the truth the truth is if there's only one thing going on so if you want to call it God or you want to call the Buddhists, call it uh, Buddha mind, whatever. You know, there's so many different names for that thing that religions coalesce around. And so it, it was such a relief. And uh, I, I can't tell you that uh, I was able to go back to some of the things that really meant something to me after I came back from India and all of that. And I was able to recognize, I mean, he was particularly, I mean, this is really crazy, Moshe, can you understand that, you know, (laughs) going to India, and all of a sudden, somebody says to you, uh, all they talk about, and you're there with a Hindu guru, all they talk about is Christ. (laughs) And the only people, and the people that were around in that moment, 75% of them were Jews. Okay, we're all. I'm like, okay, I don't know anything about Christ. you're
1: Jews trying to like get on this Hindu <laughs> Hindi trip, yeah, right. and then it's like they're all talking about Christ, <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly. So, I really so the nature of it is whether this helps or not, the nature of it is to realize that behind all of what you've been. Uh, experiencing and what the family has laid out for you and society, but basically the family in this case, because you're concerned about your parents in terms of the feelings that you have, just realize that behind it all, there is only one energy. Okay, there's one thing that absolutely connects us all, and it's you can call it God or you can call it divine presence, you can call it anything. But it's all, there's only one thing, not separate. We don't have one thing, and then the Jews have another, and the Christians have another, and the Hindus. There's nothing like that going on.
1: That's such a cool story, and it's. I guess I kind of feel... Sorry, what's your name again? Joy. Sorry, I kind of feel for Joy in joy. the sense like... In practically speaking, though, are you kind of wondering, like, what happens when they want me to go to Easter Mass? Like, Because I'm the kind of person, like, I would just go. Because if it made people happy and it didn't take up too much of my time, I would probably just do that because I actually like going to different kinds of services. Like I've been, you know, I'll go to a Hare Krishna temple. I find it fascinating. Like, you know, like I, I, but maybe you feel like you've gotten to a place where it's damaging to you. I don't know. Are you wondering, like practically speaking, what, what are you obligated to do?
3: Well, the people who I love so much who do identify still with Maybe the structures of Christianity. I I guess I'm afraid of rejection. If I if my step away from it is a threat to them, and of course I can't control that. Um, but being authentic, I guess, comes with certain repercussions.
2: Yeah, but you know, at the same time, you just uh, recognize that 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 idea, that thought of rejection and the feeling of rejection. Is not you had nothing to do with you it is just a thought really it has no consequence it has it's just like you you know have a thought i gotta get up in the morning i got oh i gotta brush my teeth i gotta have my coffee it's the same and it's inconsequential right those thoughts so is this thought so recognize that and at the same time get you know it's just there isn't the manifestation of the divine However, it's it's newly come to you in another way, and that you're really happy about it. That that thing isn't gone from from Christianity. It, it's not gone from whatever the church is that your family's going to. It's it. You can see it in someone's eyes if you just open up, and you know it's just a matter of a little bit of openness and curiosity. And you don't have to tell your parents anything. You just have to honor. That's all you got to do is honor your tradition your parents and everything and herself you are. and yeah. and yourself ultimately is is exactly right so that means that you don't have to uh feel like uh you you don't have to believe any of these kinds of thoughts that are coming to you of of uh, reneging uh, on your religion and all that stuff it's because it's as i say i mean and my experience is I mean, I can go to anything. I once went. Uh, I I was uh, had a partner uh, who was Catholic, and she had a couple of girls. And you know, I would go occasionally to uh, to the church, and uh, it was you know, it was no issue whatsoever. But one time, I came back from India, and I had been with this incredible female teacher, uh, just a, a real ma. They call them in India and i was really high and i went in and that they were uh, they were doing the whole ceremonial thing with the eucharist and everything i i mean i got lost completely lost in love and it had nothing to do with the external whatsoever so you have that inside you just that's the only thing that counts
0: i think i i have my thoughts here are um I've gone through a thing like this. It's not as um, tied to childhood as being raised in a faith tradition, but I definitely have had the experience of waking up slowly to realizing that a thing that was my faith system no longer resonated with me. And I think of it a lot like um, like waking up one day and realizing that your partner, you don't that you've fallen out of love with someone. And it's like this very... Trauma- the, my first thought was like to be gentle on yourself and realize you're going through something traumatic you haven't just rejected your faith you're going through a breakup you're and going-
1: also don't forget the baseline trauma that everyone in the world has gone through
0: Right. Well, that's true, true. <laughs> yeah. Right. like yes. you have this on Very top but good. you know
1: maybe it acted as a catalyst so right. but
0: it's yeah. like you're it's like you're going through a major, major breakup with, a, with a, a partner that you've been with your whole life. And so, of course, you're angry and your first thoughts are, I'm going to go tell his family, you know, if it was your husband, I'm going to go tell his family what a piece of shit he was to me. You know, it's like, <laughs> I'm going to tell him, I don't, I'm not in love with your son anymore. But then you go, well, that's probably not the the, the system. And like, if you really, my thought, my, my there was this rabbi in the Bay Area called Michael Lerner that would always talk about the God that you reject and that you're angry at and that typifies the things that you disbelieve in doesn't exist right that god that you're so angry at is not real and so the if if truly you lost your faith then then you would feel you wouldn't feel this charge of uh, of resentment or, or tied be still being tied to it so like that's the process like that's my, my 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 feelings like the process is like is an internal one is like figuring out how to heal inter- internally and then how your parents react to you and what 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 you owe them as an explanation i think ragu's right that's all you don't owe anyone anything you just need oh yourself the honor freedom. yeah just honor honor them,
2: honor where you've come from with them, and realize that uh, there there's really no difference. Wherever you've gone now into, into whatever uh, is resonating with you is ultimately no different. And uh, just
0: be able to be free in, in that thought. And, uh, and one suggestion would be um, black eyeliner, black lipstick, black nail polish, <laughs> and carve a pentagram into your chest. <laughs> And then go home and don't mention it. Don't mention it. And it, that'll do the work for you. Just kind of hang out yeah, and that'll a, do it. a top hat and just like some weird contacts with like cat eyes. Oh my God. And they'll kind of get the message. Okay. She's not going to church anymore.
1: Joy, do you feel like you have a little bit of grasp? Uh, you feel a little a little less
3: lost? Mm-hmm. The honor sort of resonates. You know, I, honoring myself and others and being authentic.
1: I mean, how can someone hate you if if you're thinking of that, you know, and... I, I, yeah, I, I just feel, and like... that's
2: their problem. You can't take on other people's thoughts.
3: It's part of the Christianity I was raised in. It's part of that problem. But yeah.
0: yes, you're, yeah.
3: I agree. Yes, and yeah. congrats yeah. for getting out
1: of Christianity. Hey,
0: I'm wait <laughs> no 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 Christianity's got listen. Christianity w- works for the people that it works for, just as Buddhism works for the people. It works for, as Ragu said, it's all one thing, and it's not your thing anymore. But really, it is because whatever's left is still just like the truth. So, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: And if I say I share values with aspects of Christianity, maybe that's just enough for them to say, I don't know what that means, but I'm not going to ask either. But
0: yeah. Just fine. Find out what yeah. happens.
3: Okay.
1: Well, good luck, Joy. We have one more call. So we Thank have to you let so you much. go. But I'm It was a pleasure. We Thank you, okay. everyone. Bye.
0: In Jesus' name we pray. Um, that <laughs> I, was great.
1: I mean, also, it's interesting where you're from because it it's all... As Ramdas would say, grist for the mill, you know, like yeah. I, I'm writing a book right now and I'm writing about being in Catholic school. And just like, I was thinking, I think I experienced my first eye roll, like just hearing the priests like incant, like what's it called, incant, intoning, intoning. And you know, we would all have to do it. And I just hated it so much. And it's like, but it all kind of like brings you towards where you're going, you know?
0: Well, I was gonna say to her, I think it was Jesus that said, was it Jesus the wear the world as a loose garment guy? Is that him? Was that Jesus? (laughs) Don't, don't know that know. one loose garment, maybe not. Anyway, that like my personal relationship with my religion that I was raised in is loose garment. Like all of the negative parts of it, i they mean nothing to me. I, and the positive parts i I resonate with. and my my experience in when when I had my sort of crisis of faith, which is around twelve step stuff, so it's not quite as dogmatic, but it's still got a dogma, was much more because I had taken on all of the twelve step information. I was a fundamentalist. And when you're a fundamentalist, the the separation when you stop believing, it's a much more painful experience than my relationship with yeah. Judaism, which was like I never really believed it all the way anyway, so it never had the power to destroy my reality when I stopped to believe it. You know, that's what happens mm. when you're a fundamentalist and the fundamentals are pulled from underneath you, then you're like what is real? What is reality? Yeah, yeah, that's really tough. The worst thing that happened actually for my uh from
2: judaism and my connection to it was the uh the ushers that took you to your seat on the high holidays which you had to pay a fortune for by the way (laughs) i remember had awful bad breath and i
0: I can smell it still today
1: it's because they were fasting
0: Oh right! Yeah. <laughs> oh, you just had a major realization. Maybe you're coming back yeah, into yeah. the fold. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Raga, do you have time uh, for one more call?
0: Sure. Okay, we're going to call Brittany in Chicago. Chicago. Hi, Brittany. Hey, Brittany. Brittany. Brittany.
1: Hi. Hi, how's it going? It's Natasha Moshe and our esteemed colleague, Robbie Marcus. Hi. How are you? We're great. Uh, How can we help you?
4: Well, um, I had just a question. Um, I have two young kids and I was just wondering if there's any like good way to talk about life after death with young kids, especially if you're not super religious. Um and just when someone close to them passes away,
2: hmm. how how old are they?
4: Um, I have a seven year old daughter and a four year old son.
0: Oh, very, <laughs> I, I would very say... So they're young. I would say if it has to do with uh, somebody passing away, then it'd be good to tell them that they're still around and watching them and haunting <laughs> them, and no. and that if they do anything wrong, that they'll they'll attack them. I think <laughs> <laughs> not. Yeah. They're great grandma, so <laughs> <laughs> I'll let Ragu take this one. I have no opinion on
2: this. Yeah. Well, they are really young. So uh I did you have someone pass?
4: Yeah, my grandma did in March. And uh-huh. for me, obviously it wasn't the first person close to me who passed away, but for my kids it was. And mm. um, I'm technically Catholic, but I don't we don't go to church. We're not very religious and so i just went with like yeah it's heaven but i didn't know if there's like a better way to try to explain it that maybe isn't so religious you know
2: yeah i i mean i would say you know how much you love grandma and they would obviously go yeah we love grandma well, that love never disappears it doesn't go anywhere whenever you think of grandma you think of that love and it is reciprocated. I mean, you can't say that word to a kid, but that that love connects us to those who have left us. That love connects us, and that's, it's everlasting. It's not something that goes away. And, you know, in our own lives, I mean, when you, I mean, my parents died in the last five, six years. And I still, you know, when they come into, my mother comes into my mind or something, and I feel this warmth in, in my center of my chest, mm-hmm. just about her. And I'm, I am relating with her and relating with that, that. I mean, I won't even go into the reality that I understand from being so involved in uh, Eastern spirituality. Mm -hmm. which is there is karma and there is reincarnation. And I have met people who remembered and all of that, right? Their last lives. So I know it's real. And I don't even think you need to go there because the truth is that love connects us completely. It connects us with those who have departed and it connects us with uh, everyone that we meet. We are just not tuned in because we have so many defense mechanisms going on. And it's very difficult, which is why uh, I was just talking to Moshe and Natasha about what are the things to do. Is well, you know, in terms of getting onto a path where you're uh, realizing that love is the connector to everything. And we talked about uh, mindfulness practices and so on. But back to the kids, it's all about love.
1: And then Raghu, what happens when the kids like? But where is she?
2: Then you, I mean, a four-year-old is a little bit young. Yeah, like this. he didn't
1: get it really
4: to begin with. It's more like my daughter, you know. Yeah,
2: the seven-year-old.
4: Yeah, like she yeah. got it.
2: Yeah, there. Yeah, that there is. Birth is a reality, and death is a reality that is part of life, and and it has to be that kind of a conversation. Mm but I keep going back to love that is the connector between us all and ultimately honestly uh it is that which is drives everything that is happening uh, on this uh, in this universe and then of course we get into uh, some tough stuff around how come there's so much suffering and so on and so forth and that's way too far out to get into but but back to yes that is part of life birth and death are part of life they're not separate now we're brought up to think whoa death is a f- you know we're all afraid of it and that's how we're brought up around it
0: and to change that is is uh, is to change your perspective so there you go, Brittany. Your choices are: love is the driving force of the universe; it's eternal and real, and the love connection you feel between someone that's passed on and is in your chest is real and eternal and represents uh, a connection. Or mm-hmm. she's still here; she's watching you, and you <laughs> use that to kind of manipulate their behavior and get what you want. Your kids—it's your choice, really. What do you want? What direction do you want to go?
1: Okay, maybe I'll use them both somehow.
0: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like it.
1: Okay, good luck, honey. Thank you. Okay. Thanks, bye. <laughs> bye. Raghu, you're so great. Thank you so much for helping. You have such uh, you know, wisdom and uh you know, it's so nice that you exist really. Yeah,
2: right. I don't even I wouldn't even call it it's just to me it's all practical. That's why I said in the very beginning, I how did I just couldn't stand myself anymore. And that drove me, you know, once I understood there was something out there that was not what i thought it was uh and then i had this massive um opposition inside myself i mean you know like the polarity we're talking about the polarity politically the polarity polarity uh, socially culturally and all of that and how that divide seems to just widen and widen and widen that same shit is going on in each one of us mm-hmm. in each one of us there's a big polarity mm. You know, there's the uh, that mind that is like running the show and controlling and manipulating and what we do and, you know, making deals, you know, forgetting to breathe, you know. Yeah. So, uh, again, you know, I just I didn't want to be involved with the continuation of that. And that's why I've been doing what I've been doing for these decades is. And um, I suggest that uh, what's happened is very practical. I I don't react the way that I used to either to outside phenomena, people, events, whatever. And I'm not believing, you know, the thoughts, I'm laughing a lot more. (laughs) And <laughs> whatever bullshit is right. This is kind of, and this is stuff I do with Duncan, right? Duncan Trussell.
1: We're not allowed to mention his name on this podcast. Oh, I'm, sure? just kid- I'm just Talkin kidding, Ragu. About- I'm just oh, kidding.
2: God, I'll never do it again. No, so.
1: I brought Duncan to Raghu. I brought Ragu to Duncan in a way. So
0: That's true. I had a spiritual teacher once who told me he wanted to go from uh from when reacting saying, Isn't that awful to isn't that interesting? Oh, that's
2: fantastic. Yeah, I love that. You know uh, what um, Aldous Huxley Ramdas told me this story. So Aldous Huxley, when he was dying, he he was like taking acid all the time. Okay, and Ramdas was walking with him in London, and he got to the point where he could he couldn't really talk. (laughs) He could only do one thing. He just, everything he looked at was like the wonder of a baby, you know, seeing everything. And he could only say one word,
0: extraordinary, extraordinary.
1: (laughs) I love that. That's great. Well, I think
0: that's like, to me, what I was talking to you about in the beginning, Raga, you weren't here for it, but it was like, as a person for whom my hackles can come up very quickly around this (laughs) kind of stuff. Ram Dass's uh, school and what you're you're in the same school and the the practicality is so accessible for a person with my mind uh, that that it's there's nothing there to object to because it's so practical and it really is.
1: He said his bullshit meter doesn't go off with Ram Dass. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Uh yeah. And by the way, you 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 keep
2: speaking like you have a corner. On all this shit, my <laughs> mind—I can't meditate. <laughs> it. Like you're, this is all yours. Look at your story, you know. You're telling yourself this story, and I own this, and it's mine.
0: Right, right. So maybe it's time to read "75 uh, Minutes to Enlightenment." And like I'm going to send
2: it to. you. There's no reading. You'll. Uh, I'm going to send it to you, and I we're going to
1: every, uh, tell everyone to check out your podcast, uh, Mind Rolling Podcast. And uh, yeah, I hope to to be a guest soon or see you in another way. Uh, well,
2: you know, we're opening up, right? It's, it's opening up and uh, I'm all vaxxed up and we'll, I'm coming to L.A. So I'll get over with you.
1: Well, we don't like discussing our private medical decisions with other people, <laughs> oh, <shit>. but... <laughs> Um uh, Ragu, thank you for No, we're vaxxed. We're vaxxed. We both got we got double Johnson and Johnson just to make sure. Yeah, we got two of them.
0: <laughs> I, <laughs> we, I flew to Russia and got Sputnik <laughs> just to round it out. Um yeah. thank, uh, thank you. Honestly, so it was enlightening. Great to
2: hang with you, you know, Moshe. I haven't really we have not hung out. You know, that's the beauty of podcasts, to be able to do this. Indeed. So I'm kind of great to meet you.
1: Well, hopefully we'll see you in the flesh.
2: We will. I, I am coming in and I'll give you a buzz and yes, we'll get you on Mind Rolling again absolutely
1: okay awesome
2: all sounds good Thank all the you, best Raghu. You It was
0: great to hang with you too Bye-bye. bye 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 bye
1: extraordinary
0: this was extraordinary <laughs> extraordinary
1: um okay mosh well i feel like
0: i feel like that was good
1: maybe i can get you to do some breaths in the morning with i'm
0: me. in i'm down because
1: well, like i don't really do them either but if we did them together that's what that i that would be helpful that's
0: what i was trying to say to joy but i, I think i lost my train of thought that whole idea about for people that are struggling with their old faith, I want to say this before we go. That whole idea of people that are struggling with their old faith and and they're going, you know, uh, about the their the resentment toward the God that they no longer believe in, mm-hmm. and him saying that Rabbi Michael Lerner is saying that the God that you that you reject and that you're angry at does not exist. So allowing that God that you don't believe in to continue to rule your life and to continue to rule your mind and mm-hmm. to continue to like. Uh, uh, have have sovereignty over your thoughts makes that god real and how you,
1: do you stop believing that they're powerful well i
0: think i'm just saying okay you, you have
1: you, that i have that situation with people too
0: well you're saying to yourself i don't believe in this god anymore but you're still like angry at the god that you don't believe in and so that's what i was saying it's like a it's like a breakup it's like a it's like a process of figuring out how to like by the time you actually stop believing in that it won't make you angry anymore it won't make you upset anymore because you'll say well i don't be- why would something that isn't real bother- hold sway over my mind and then you can figure out what it is that you do believe in that's that's what i was trying to say to joy so if joy if you're listening that's what i'm saying it's like it's a process of healing it's a pro- like rejecting and then what Ragu was saying i thought was interesting is once you do the actual healing then you get to find out what you, what still remains of belief. Like my thing with 12 step stuff, I mean, it again, it's, it's, it's easier to, it's less traumatic than a, a real religion, 12 step stuff. It's a less dogmatic and less mind controlly. But the thing is, after I got past some of the stuff that I was having a really hard time with, then I was like, Oh, here are all the parts of that, of that. System that I still incorporate in my life, I still love, and I still I still use in my daily life. Uh, like once I got rid of my resentment, I was able to go. Here are the parts that I still love and that still remain with me. I guess is my point.
1: Cool. All right. Well, it has uh, been
0: cool. <laughs> uh,
1: listen, I gotta go. You gotta go. Yeah, I've got to go.
0: Well, you know what? This has been extraordinary. And it, yeah,
1: it, it's been extraordinary for me too.
0: And I don't love the accent. And. <laughs> The most extraordinary part of it all is my love for you.
1: Oh, extraordinary. I love you. I love you. I love you too.
0: (laughs) Goodbye, Duchess.
1: Ta-ta.